Hello, mummers, and welcome back to episode three in our Vegas Nerve podcast series. Today, we're talking all about the vagus nerve in pregnancy and birth. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physiola. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to our third and final episode in our Vegas Nerve podcast series with the wonderful Dr. Carrie Rigoni. Today, we are applying everything we've learned in the first two episodes into the prenatal period. So we're specifically talking about how all this information on the vagus nerve and toning the vagal nerve. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go check out episode one and two before you jump into this one, because you'll have no basis of understanding, trust me, before you you go and jump into this one. So check out episode one and two, then listen to today's episode, because it's all about how the vagus nerve applies to pregnancy and birth. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to prepare your vagus nerve for birth, how the vagus nerve explains why women respond differently to birth trauma, pregnancy stress, and the postpartum period, how the vagus nerve helps you to feel safe, and this is why women need different environments to birth in, which I think is really helpful in validating the different choices women will make around birth. And then I personally share quite a vulnerable journal entry about my most recent parenting challenges and how this work is really pertinent in my life right now. So I get pretty vulnerable, but that is me. I'm an open book. However, vulnerability hangover, I would love to hear from you. If you also resonate with what I shared in my journal entry and with Carrie, please come on over to App Physio Laura and tell me I'm not a terrible parent. (laughs) Please come and make me feel like, you know, you too might be feeling the same way I'm feeling. So yeah, I really hope you love this episode. And if you do, like I said, jump on over to Physio Laura on my social media and let me know. And if you love Carrie and you want to connect with her more, she is at Ragoni on Instagram. She shares some amazing reels and videos. I think you're going to really love her. Uh, but without further ado, mummers, let's jump into this chat with Carrie all about the vagus nerve in the prenatal period. Enjoy. Let's talk now about specifically pregnancy, birth, and that postpartum phase, because I know that this really applies to that period of time. So how would you encourage women during pregnancy to prepare their vagus nerve for birth? Pregnancy is such a vulnerable time for us that we actually need more external cues of safety. So you think about what's happening you know, we're growing a human, particularly in that last trimester, we really need cues of safety that maybe our body isn't giving us. So that could be a safe person, whether that's your partner, or um, maybe you're already working with a doula before the birth, or your midwife, or your obstetrician, whoever you feel safe with, but finding someone that helps you feel safe, particularly leading up to the birth, means that you're not going to activate the fight or flight. We know that birth happens much easier when we're not in that stressed out state. So we really want to calm that as much as physically possible. The other thing to really be mindful of is um, just, I I struggle talking about this because I always feel like I might offend someone. So like there's no guilt, there's no judgment, but you know, this, this, hustle that we have this hustle culture of you know I see so many women in my practice who work up to 38 weeks 
And the last month of work is actually them doing their workload plus training someone who's going to replace them. So the workload goes up when they're pregnant. It should be going down. You know, I think as a culture, we're not honoring pregnant women and the vulnerability that their nervous system is in, whether they, you know, consciously feel vulnerable or not. It's this somatic bottom-up process that's happening inside our body. It's telling our brain we, we're vulnerable, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm. So if you can stop work sooner or set some boundaries around how much work you're going to do or how much training you're going to train this new person who's replacing you, um, you know, if that is a reality for you, then I encourage you to jump on that mm. because that's just going to help your nervous system regulate itself, particularly if then you're adding in all the stuff we've just talked about, you know, the chest breathing and you're actually activating the vagus and activating a sense of safety within yourself. If your external environment is also feels safe for you. Um, so that's, you know, your house, the people, everything, um, then that's going to play a huge role in how the final stage of your pregnancy and how your birth proceeds. Mm, it's such a good point, really, isn't it? Like as society, I think we're just starting to understand how important it is to nourish the postpartum woman. But I, I really don't think we've translated that to pregnancy so much, really, have we? Like, you know, you have the token gesture of someone offering you a seat on the bus if you're lucky. But when it comes to work expectations and societal expectations, we really don't value a pregnant woman resting until they've had a baby. Then for some reason, we seem to think, oh, yes, fair enough. You know, you're <laughs> but we don't really do the same yeah. thing with pregnancy. I don't think like you're right. The, 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 the you know, common case is that women are hustling to get things ready to get organized. They might have a token week or two off, off in quotation marks. They're probably doing a hell of a lot of life admin then. And then they have a baby and it's like, they've spent that whole time being mm. go, 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 hustle, 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 rush, rush, rush. Um, and that is quite stressful really, isn't it? Mm. Like pregnancy is a time to really invite yourself to rest and recharge and regroup and look after yourself. But it is challenging when that may not be supported socially. I, I totally understand mm. that that's challenging. So it's not a guilt thing, hundred percent not. It's just a, maybe how could you invite more of that into your own life, regardless of your circumstances. I guess yeah. we can always still be working on it better ourselves. I know we can put ourselves in positions mm -hmm. where we say yes too often and we don't say no um, enough and putting in those boundaries in place. So again, I think that's really acknowledged for the postpartum women these days, but not really for the pregnant woman. So yeah, yeah really important. So obviously then in birth, it's super important for a woman to feel safe. So I imagine then that everything you've been preparing a woman for in pregnancy is also going to translate into birth. So making sure that they feel safe in their environment and that they feel safe with their providers. Yeah. And I think this is um, super important for women to understand because I feel like there are definitely particular camps, you know, like which way you decide to birth and who you decide to birth with. And it can become like not competitive, but you kind of like find your people who want reality. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It's what you need to feel safe. So someone might only feel safe at home with a midwife and someone else might only feel safe if they've scheduled a C-section and neither is wrong because everything in your life has led you to this point 
and your nervous system needs to feel safe. So no matter what your choices are, there shouldn't be this shame or judgment if someone's chosen something different um, because when you understand the driving factor above all else in our life, our nervous system's first question is, do I feel safe? Yes. Um, and if it, if it says yes, then, you know, kudos <laughs> to you. You know, that's what we all want for our birth is to feel that safety. Mm, absolutely. I think that's, yeah, really important because there can be, I think there is maybe not competitiveness, but there certainly can feel like a hierarchy in birth. Like everyone should aim for, you know, this sort of birth. And if you didn't get that, then maybe you're lesser than. I remember having a C-section and people kind of apologizing to me as if like it was assumed I had a bad experience. Um, And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there is no one right way to birth. Like there is only the right way for you. And like you said, um, where you feel most comfortable. So in my last birth, having a home birth, that is where I felt safest. And that would have scared the bejesus out of majority of my social circle. There's no way they would have felt safe doing what I did. But for me, and you can't understand it because it's not you, but for me, that felt like the safest place for me to be. If I had gone to a hospital, I would not have felt safe. And I have a friend who literally just gave birth yesterday who was like, as soon as I contract, get me to a hospital because I will freak out if I'm at home. I do (laughs) not feel safe being on my own away from my care providers. I want to be with my midwives. I want to be looked after by them. And I'm like, that is so awesome that you've acknowledged that because you're going to transfer earlier. Because I think in say someone like that situation, maybe they're told, oh, but you should stay at home as long as possible. You don't want to go to the hospital too early, blah, 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 blah. You should increase your chance of interventions, whatever. But that woman if she had stayed home as long as possible because that's what everyone told her to do, she wouldn't have had probably a great birth experience because her cortisol would have been so high. Exactly. I can't imagine her labor would have continued very well because she would have been stressed. So it's really cool to acknowledge where do you feel safe? Not where you're told you should feel safe or what you should want, but where does your body tell you, I feel most safe and with whom as well. That's mm-hmm. really important to make sure that the people in your birth environment make you feel safe. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I know a friend had her mother-in-law come in and that was not a safe option, <laughs> but she didn't know how to say no. And yeah. I don't think that was positive for her because she didn't feel safe with that person in the room. So it's really important. Safety, safety, safety. And that could look on paper a hundred million different ways. So I think that's exactly. really important to acknowledge. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and the same with, um, you mentioned when we were talking about this podcast that it might also explain the way our vagus nerve works, how women respond differently to birth trauma. Could you maybe explain mm. that one a little bit more? Yeah. So, I mean, we know that birth trauma is very subjective and, you know, my experience, say we had the exact same experience. Um, I might find it traumatic and you don't. Um, and the thing to remember, I mean, it does come down to safety, but also that the vagus nerve controls it creates the lens with which we look at life so if your vagal tone is low and you look at most things with hypervigilance because your sympathetic fight or flight has taken over then you're going to activate that much faster and what the if you don't have the ability to kind of regulate after and come back into that parasympathetic Um, higher vagal tone state and actually process what's going on for you 
if you're stuck in that fight or flight, then things can feel a lot more traumatic for the nervous system because it's like, well, I'm, I'm not safe and these things are happening potentially out of my control. So I've lost control. Um, I really want to fight or flight, but I can't because, you know, maybe I've had an epidural and I can't move. You know, all of these things, we lose, we lose control of the situation. Then if we can't regulate after, mm. so those women who do... Um, kind of realize that they potentially have low vagal tone or maybe we're not we don't feel safe after we haven't got that postpartum period to debrief or um, you know have that beautiful little bubble at home maybe you know like you say mother-in-law's coming over and expecting you to wait on them hand and foot as opposed to them looking after you and those sort of things we're not given that time and space to regulate then that's going to feel a lot more traumatic um, just because of where our nervous system is sitting mm, yeah that makes so much sense and how how does low vagal tone how would that translate into the postpartum period for women as well because I imagine that would equal much more overwhelm um, and maybe trouble sleeping when you're already you know struggling with sleep like what what sort of things would women experience postpartum yeah so um there is a little bit of research um some researchers followed some pregnant women and measured their blood um, cortisol stress hormone and then they followed the babies after for signs of stress and what they found is that mums who had high levels of cortisol throughout their pregnancy were more likely to have babies who showed more more signs of high stress mm. and so what happens is we have a baby who's potentially on the more irritable side of the scale who needs more safety from us. But if we have low vagal tone, we struggle to regulate ourselves, let alone co-regulate with our baby. Mm. So we perceive our babies crying, like that triggers us even more because we're not coming from a regulated state. Mm. So in essence, everything kind of feels harder. And I, you know, like I look back at my firstborn and the state I was in and the way that I perceived things. And I feel like um, I did well, you know, you, you do the best with what you've got, but I can see that pattern there. I was focusing on fixing my baby for crying so much and being really um, high needs and a koala baby and not giving me the space and making me feel really touched out. And really, I'd never stopped and did anything to myself because I was just stuck in that state. So it can, it can make or break the postpartum period. Mm. Um, and I find that women who have lower vagal tone tend to struggle a bit more with, say, the post, um, post-birth blues, the baby blues, um, or, you know, just rebalancing of their hormones um, because their cortisol is still so high so everything's just trying to resettle and it's just everything is harder mm, absolutely they, sorry <laughs> they may need um again if their body's not giving them the internal safety cues then it might be a time where they need more external safety cues mm. 
So you can plan for this. You know, if you know that your stress regulation is not great and maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're towards the end of your pregnancy and you're like, well, I don't have time to activate my vagus nerve and do all these things. Well, you can create that external safety by making that little bubble only, you know, set those boundaries, only letting people in who make you feel calm and safe or who you know are actually going to care for you. Um, not forcing yourself to follow cultural or societal or familial expectations, but actually, again, that, that same question, well, does this make me feel safe? Does this make me feel loved? No? Okay, well, that can wait because right now this is the most important thing for me to be able to bond with my baby. Mm, that's so important. And I actually only realised recently in my motherhood journey that co-regulation with our children was even a thing, that they essentially borrow our nervous systems to regulate themselves. And you would know this better than me, I assume, but that goes on for a while. It's Are they like seven or eight before they yeah. start doing that themselves? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, it continue, it's actually something that happens even between adults. So we have these nerves called mirror neurons and um, we mirror who we're around. And this is part of how, we become like the five people that we spend the most time with because yeah. our mirror neurons actually communicate and go, oh, well, that's the state they're in. So I'm going to meet them. And it happens subconsciously. We don't even know. So really, um, you know, even if you've had, say, uh, you, you reflect and think, oh, gosh, my pregnancy was really stressful. I feel bad about that. Well, now's the time to regulate yourself because you've still got, you can still co-regulate with your child and all of our behaviours and our regulation or dysregulation system, what's normal or abnormal. So we really want to guide their nervous system. And the easiest way to do that is to activate our own nervous system and our vagal networks. Absolutely. And I feel like you've pretty much finished the podcast on that. That sums it all up really, doesn't it? But I, I was just thinking about the woman that might think, yeah, it's too late for me to do this work or yeah, I'm about to give birth and I haven't done it. But yeah, if your child is doing this for seven years, like you really need to work on it because you are going to be their co-regulator. So I think that's really cool to know. It's a long-term thing. It's not just a, if I didn't work on it, you know, time's up. I haven't got any chance now. It's, it's a forever thing. And even once our kids are older, we still need to work on it for ourselves so that we can live calm, healthy, healthy lives. And again, thrive, not just survive. So I think that's super important. Um, I did want to just touch on as the last thing about, you mentioned um, before we started recording about how babies, when they're born, I think it was called the social engagement system and what um, babies need to like feel safe immediately after birth and things like that. Could you maybe just touch on that? I think this would be really relevant for those women going into birth and postpartum soon. Um, so the social engagement system is part of the vagus nerve. So um it's kind of like all of, well, the social engagement system is what makes us really want to socialize in general. So you think about when you're really stressed and the tone of voice you might use, your body language, whether you really want to make eye contact with someone, you know, those sort of things, we tend, they drop away when we're, when we're in fight or flight. When we have enough vagal activation, we tend to have, um, a calmer tone of voice. You know, it's not that high-pitched, stressed-out voice. Um, and more musical, actually, you know, like we tend to go up and down a little more with our tone. Um, our facial expressions look different. 
um, you know, the way we smile if we're, if our ventral vagus or our um, social engagement system is activated, we smile with our eyes. If we're just smiling for the sake of it and we're really stressed, we tend to just move our mouth in, in the position, but our eyes don't change. So you can pretty much tell even from a smile how someone, um, how stressed someone is. But because because our baby is still learning about the world, the world, sorry, all of these things matter. The, all these things either show signs of safety or threat. So if you are in a stress state and, um, you know, you're, you're not, maybe you don't feel connected to your baby and you haven't really looked them, looked them in the face, um, in the eyes, or you're not smiling at them. Um, or when you're talking, you're, you already short short and sharp because you just feel too agitated um these things um imprint into our baby they say oh well if my caregiver doesn't feel safe right now then I'm not going to feel safe (laughs) so um in terms of the social engagement system that's really what it's about is like finding enough activation in our nervous system in our vagal um, systems to be able to want to socially engage with our baby and then they start replicating that you know and making coos and you know little noises and whether we respond or not uh, are we like looking at our phone being like oh yeah yeah you know or are we like oh yes that's you know uh what what comes next or whatever you know actually engaging when they're trying to engage and this I mean this doesn't stop just from the newborn period you just think of a toddler who wants to show you something and again are we so stressed and maybe mindlessly scrolling or are we stopping to engage for a moment and that's going to activate their sense of connection which is a social engagement system of the vagus nerve so that helps strengthen their vagus nerve I love all of that. We've started eye gazing with our kids recently and they love it. I thought they would find it boring or but they love it. They actually say like mummy, daddy, eye gaze and we just Aww. stare at each other's eyes and it's really beautiful. I actually, it's again, so funny the timing of all of this. I wrote in my journal the other day when I was feeling a bit overwhelmed with mothering and didn't feel like I was bringing my best self to the table. And I wrote that if I were to take a photo of my face every hour on the hour throughout the day, as sad as it is, but I think a lot of the time that photo would be me in some sort of frown or scowl or frustrated face or like, you know, like sort of agitated. And I was like, that is, that really hit me hard. I actually felt really upset about that because I thought I like kids, they can see through it. So even if I'm like saying words that I think, you know, portraying one thing but my face is saying something different I'm like they they pick up on that and I'm like I don't want them to see a mum whose you know brow is furrowed all the time and you know I want them to be like not always because it's not realistic we are human but to mostly be greeted with like warmth and softness and a smile and you know Mm -hmm. not a forced smile like oh well done sweetie that's really good but you know like oh my god that's awesome I'm so proud of you sort of smile and that really hit hard for me. And I just thought if I were to take a photo every hour on the hour, what does it look like? And what do I want it to look like? And what do I need to do to get to that point? So I don't know if that resonates with anyone else, but whew, that one hit me really and, hard. You know, it's all that subconscious stuff. And our kids don't even have the rational 
brain to be like, oh yeah, yeah, well, I can see mum's had a hard day. Maybe she's frowning. Like they're still learning. They don't have the higher centers to rationalize anything. Um, so that never kicks in. So what we do, it sounds like such a, a like a heavy task, but all of these little things that we do, it, it's teaching their nervous system. Um, you know, like I, my son the other day snapped about something and the way he snapped was exactly the way that I snap. And I was like, oh, I've done it. I've like primed his system. Yeah, to we've ruined them. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, oh, 100%. You know, it just, it's innate. Like yeah. <laughs> they do, they soak it all up, but it's mm. subconscious. They don't even know what they're soaking up. It's just becomes then their state of normal. So um, it's really they're important. mirrors, aren't they? Like they just mirror everything. And it is such a harsh reality check when you see yourself in your children especially in a bad light because you're like oh my god I'll share a, a funny maybe not so funny story my son is four and a half and he got really frustrated the other day and he said effing hell and I went whoa buddy like you're allowed to be frustrated but you can't say that and he looked me dead in the eye and said but mommy you say that when you're angry and I was like <laughs> Touche, I do. <laughs> I was like, you're you're right. And I had this really beautiful conversation with him where I was like, I really shouldn't say that. And I'm trying and I try and catch myself, but sometimes I forget, you know, and we we like got to a resolution of, well, maybe next time we're both angry, we could say this instead. And I just thought that is such a good example of like um not do as I say do as I do sort of thing like you can't tell mm -hmm. your child don't say this if if you're doing that or don't react like this if that's how you're doing it it's yeah so I find parenting is just the biggest personal development tool you'll ever have hey <laughs> yeah and you know like on that the way you ended it is perfect for his nervous system you know because it's like not not authoritarian like yeah that authoritarian like yeah well I'm allowed to because I'm the adult it's like hey you know what yeah you are right and let's like let's work out how we can resolve this together because that's going to strengthen not only his vagal connections because he's not going to feel shamed for saying it but he's going to understand it but then also it's going to create the autonomy for him in the future to respond in a way that's more appropriate and you know you also <laughs> yeah. Ooh, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know it's like not about perfection because yeah. we're all human and we're all going to get dysregulated and uh, we're all going to do something that our kids are going to model of us and we're going to be like oh my god why did I do that like you know there's no there's no perfection <laughs> yeah. we're all human so when we're talking about this stuff I think it's really important when we when we do mess up to acknowledge it and you know if our kids are old enough talk about it with our kids um and you know apologize if you need to or talk it out and rebuild that connection because the vegas works on connection you know it's not just the in the moment stuff but like the stop and the connection at the end of it that can mm. rewire the whole thing so yeah absolutely and like you said so much of it is having compassion for yourself. Cause I do think sometimes you can listen to these things and feel guilty or, 
you know, feel like, how am I ever going to be enough? Because my nervous system is not coping and all of these things. But I hope that our conversation today has empowered women to go here. So some really easy, tangible things that you can do today, right now. It's not over there. It's here and now that you can do yourself to help regulate your nervous system so you feel better and so that your little ease can feel better too. So you can all have a really beautiful family dynamic as well and be kind and compassionate because it's a journey. It's not going to be something that you do overnight and then boom, done, you'll never be dysregulated ever again in your life. (laughs) If only it was that simple. But Thank you so much, Carrie. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad that you put the vagus nerve on my radar and on all of the listeners' radar because, again, this is just not something I think is spoken about very much. It doesn't get a lot of airtime and it makes so much sense. And I really like pulling it back to you know, the biology and the tangible and the practical because sometimes these conversations can feel a bit more airy-fairy and harder to like ground yourself to actually do something with it. But I really like that you've kind of blended the two together. So thank you so much. Is there any final things you wanted to share? No, I think we have literally covered everything. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, mamas. I really hope you loved that final episode with Dr. Carrie Rigoni. And I really hope that it's helped you understand how all of that vagal nerve information we spoke about in episodes one and two applies to pregnancy, birth, and the postpartum period. So I think this topic is super fascinating. I feel like we probably just scratched the surface and it's probably something that I might come back for round two in the future, get Carrie back on and discuss it further. I feel like Everywhere I see people are talking about vagal nerve stuff at the moment. So I feel like it's really emerging. It's becoming much more mainstream. People are understanding it. But I really hope that these three episodes have given you a really good foundation for how to regulate your nervous system, how to get out of that fight or flight stress response all the time. I think this is such valuable work in the world that we're doing right now, and particularly in these transformative periods of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, like it rocks your world and your nervous system can be completely completely shot through this period. So I think if we can have the tools and understanding and education to bring ourselves back in balance, that is powerful. So, so powerful. So if you love this episode or this whole series, or if you have any questions you want to follow up, please jump on over to Physio Laura on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you found really helpful from these episodes or what questions you might have. And if you loved Carrie, you can find her on Instagram at Dr. Carrie Rigoni. She's a wealth of knowledge and really, really powerful chiropractor doing great work in this world. And if you want her epic bonus questionnaire that she's given to all my Pregnancy Posse members, it is a really simple questionnaire to fill in so that you can identify if there are problems with your vagal nerve tone, if there's something you might need to work on. It's a really easy way to identify if you've got low tone or high tone, because sometimes it's hard to listen to these and apply it to your own life. So for all Pregnancy Posse members, you can access that by going inside the membership, inside the podcast series. And if you want to join in and see what the fun is all about inside the Pregnancy Posse membership, We always have bonus content for all of these podcast series. The wonderful guest experts we have on always provide us with some sort of epic bonus. We have weekly tailored workouts for pregnancy, yoga, meditation. We have pelvic pain resources, rib pain, back pain, SIJ pain, pelvic floor problems, preparing your perineum, preparing for labor and birth. I could go on, but how about you just join me? I'll tell you more about it on the inside. I send everyone who fills in their questionnaire a little personalized video message and I would love to hang out with you. So you can find out more information 
at thepregnancypossy.com and you can trial it for seven days and hopefully I catch you on the inside there. Otherwise, mamas, please subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss any of my upcoming amazing series. We've got some real goodies lined up particular one I'm really excited about. I've had to put the brakes on slightly to get something else ready for it. But um, yeah, there's some really cool ones coming up. So please do subscribe so you don't miss out. Wherever you are, I hope your nervous system is regulated. And if not, I hope you now feel like you have the tools to pull yourself back into balance. And I will chat to you all soon. Bye.